Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. As we start this new quarter on Wall Street, Wall Street is already in a more cheerful and happy mood currently right now. With As of the recording of this podcast, the Dow was up at least 600 points this morning. 700 last I saw based off the what I had looked at before we started this podcast, at least as, the, as of the time of recording on this podcast as well. But we can say 600 for sure. It's interesting to think that Wall Street is going in with a more upbeat attitude towards the end of the year. However, maybe there could be concerns coming up. And these concerns, we'll talk later in this podcast, but it seems like Wall Street might be a little too optimistic. Now, granted, last quarter was pretty bad across the board. There was a lot of events that happened, like oil oil production was going crazy. We had a lot of layoffs that were happening. The, the real, real estate market was starting to feel a little bit of heat. But overall, last quarter, well, that's now in the past. And Wall Street's looking forward to the future. Today, we're going to be first be talking about General Motors. They say sales rose 24% in the third quarter, which might be one of the reasons why the Dow Jones in particular is up 600 points today, because Wall Street's just pretty excited right now, okay? Then we got other shares from the car industry as Tesla shares dip after third quarter production and delivery report, which is interesting because usually Tesla's doing really well, and we'll cover that a little bit more today as well. Then we got some news from the ocean freight as orders are signaling a big drop in consumer demand. Then there's a news from the Supreme Court where it takes on the internet company immunity in YouTube dispute. And what this could mean for YouTube going forward. And finally, the big news, which I will be talking about on today's podcast, is OPEC is meeting this week. OPEC Plus is meeting for historic cut analysis, say, and what that could potentially mean for the markets going forward. With that being said, I have to remind you all that I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form, and everything I talk about in this podcast is for information purposes only and entertainment purposes for those who wish to listen. You need to do your own research before investing in any stocks as you're not guaranteed to make money in the stock market. The whole purpose of this podcast is to help inform people to know what's happening. I cannot legally give you financial advice in any way, shape, or form. Please go talk to your own professional advisor as they would understand your situation better than I would. This whole podcast is not any financial advice, I cannot legally give you financial advice in any way, shape, or form. With that, let's begin today's podcast. General Motors says General Motors says sales rose 24% in the third quarter. From Detroit, Michigan, from CNBC, General Motors' third quarter vehicle sales increased 24% compared to a year ago when supply chain issues weighed more heavily on the company's output. The Detroit automaker on Monday said that it sold 55,580 vehicles from July through September up from 447,000 a year earlier. When sales were depressed due to Malaysia-related supply issues of semiconductor chips, the increase was in line with higher than the industry analysis expectations of an at least 21.6% increase. Regarding electric vehicles, GM said it plans to increase production of its Chevy Bolt EV and EUV after the vehicles recorded their best quarterly sales ever at 14,709 units. GM intends to boost calendar year production for global markets from approximately 44,000 vehicles to correction 44,000 vehicles in 2022 to more than 70,000 in 2023. 
The increase for GM's older Bolt models is in contrast to production of the pricey GMC Hummer EV pickup. Beginning in late November, the company on Monday said that it will pause production of the pickup for several weeks to pull ahead body shop upgrades for the upcoming electric Chevrolet Silverado. The company has been producing the Hummer EV pickup, which is was the first vehicle to feature GM next generation Ultimum batteries and, and platform at a snail's pace compared to its typical output of vehicles. GM did not immediately release sales of the individual vehicles, such as the Hummer EV, which is traditional, has each quarter. GM is among the first major automakers to report third quarter sales Monday. Overall analysis estimate automakers sold 3.4 million new light duty vehicles in the U.S. down less than 1% from the same, year, same time last year. Automakers continue to deal with supply chain issues from semiconductors and wire harnesses to smaller parts such as vehicle and company logos. Yeah, that company logos thing is mostly for Ford in particular. I don't see GM reporting that as much. It says here, final thing where we says GM ended the third quarter with 359,292 vehicles in dealer inventory, including a units in transition and increase of 11,453. Maybe General Motors will be able to survive these supply chain issues right now. Because it just seems like General Motors, at least at the start of this quarter, granted this is a brand new quarter and things could be a lot different as the as the days go by and the weeks and months continue for the second quarter in the making, but it seems like they're able to handle it right now. Tesla, though, on the other hand, got some surprising news from Tesla. It says Tesla shares dip after third quarter production and deliveries report. Shares of Tesla slid about 7% earlier Monday after the electric vehicle released third quarter production and delivery numbers on Sunday that fell short of analysis estimates. Tesla reported 343,000 total deliveries and 356,000 vehicles produced during this quarter, or during the quarter, which missed analysis expectation of 364,660 vehicles delivered according to estimates compiled by Fact Set owned street accountant. Deliveries are the closest approximate of sales reported by Tesla. Total production increased from the prior quarter to 2022 when the company said it made 258,580 cars. Tesla produced 19,935 of its more expensive Model S and X vehicles and 349,988 of its more popular Model 3 and Y vehicles during Q3, according to report. So maybe they're into Q4 right now. It's hard to keep track of a lot of these quarters right now. Tesla faced growing pains as its new factories in Germany and, te and Texas execute turnover and soaring commodity prices in the third quarter of 2022. Wall Street analysis were divided over the electric vehicle makers report from the sliding stock price. Investors are worried about the delivery numbers. Okay. Now that I'm thinking about it a little bit more clearly, I'm getting companies mixed up in my head of when they're reporting their quarterly reports. That's where my issue is coming from right now. So this is Q3, which means we're into Q4 for some of these companies. Uh, Wall Street analysis were divided over the electric vehicle Makers report and sliding st uh, stock price suggestion investors are worried about the delivery numbers. A Goldman Sachs analysis maintained Tesla's buy rating and said the company will continue to benefit from a long-term shift to electric vehicles, while a JP Morgan analysis kept the underweight rating on Tesla, saying that the earnings miss was in line with the firm's expectations. The car industry in general, in my opinion, is kind of the lifeblood of the American economy, Okay. Seems like that if the car industry is doing well, then the American economy is doing well. Cars used to mean freedom for the American people. You go driving, it meant freedom. It might not be as much anymore as it used to be, but it seems like right now that we got GM who's doing well and Tesla who's not doing so well. And it should be interesting to see how these other car companies come out with the reports in the next day, couple of weeks, depending on when they're reporting earnings. 
But I do know for a fact, at least in my opinion, I think Ford is going to struggle this quarter from this last quarter. I think they're going to have a bad miss across the board because we reported a lot of things in the past podcast on Ford. And I would advise listening to that past podcast that Ford was struggling with a lot of supply chain issues. So that's at least two car companies that are going to probably miss earnings reports right now for this coming quarter when they're reporting numbers from last quarter. And it's going to get very interesting to see how the market handles it, especially with Ford, since Ford is, I guess Ford is like kind of like the American symbol in a way sometimes. Seems that way sometimes. This is where things get more interesting from the from the shipping economy currently right now. Ocean freight orders are signaling a big drop in consumer demand. A significant consumer pullback is showing up in the ocean shipping with logistic managers telling CNBC that they've seen a 20% drop in ocean freight orders for the month of September and October. The decline is in demand cuts across many products, including machinery, housing, industrial, and some apparel logistics. CEOs explained to CNBC the reason is a combination of too many inventory uh, coupled with a lack of clarity on consumer demand. The ocean shipping trend echoes recent comments from logistics industry executives. Georgia Port Authority Executive Director Griff Lynch said he expects the number of waiting ships to drop over the next several weeks after seeing historic vessel calls. In apparel and footwear, executives say that there is no definitive trend, though inventory issues are becoming more prevalent. Nike's overstock problem announced last week and its earnings weighed on the stock. Inventory levels are high as uh, consumerism shifts further to off-price, said Brett Rose, CEO of United National Consumer Suppliers. Bigger brands are very uh, conscious of current season and trends. A Bloomingdale consumer doesn't want, uh, doesn't want last season shoes on handbags. These items will attract to consumers of retails like TJ Maxx, Marshalls, Ross Stores, he said. Uh, Seco Logistics told CNBC that orders for expensive items like small parcel lockers, integrated uh, severe racks, ultrasound machines, and time-sensitive cargo like retail display are still strong. DHL Ocean Freight tells CNBC it's not currently seeing any indication of a 20% drop off in orders, but with no rush anticipated with the buildup to the Chinese national holiday of Gold Golden Week, it expects demand to be flat in October. The ongoing threat of labor action among rail and port workers in some geographics, port congestion in Europe, and and weather-related scheduled disruptions will likely lead to more canceled sailings and port emissions, particularly offsetting some of the rate decreases out of Asia Pacific. You know, we know for a fact that there was a lot of potential protests that were happening, okay? We know that the White House did come up with somewhat of a conclusion to at least what they thought at the time that the rail strike was going to be prevented in the United States, but it seems like there's still some issues with the ports being backed up, okay? I think it goes on later on this article, I believe, that in Savannah, Georgia, that there is a backup. Oh, here it is. During the period of September 12th through 18th, the Port of Savannah reached the highest number of weekly average days waiting at anchor since April of 2022, according to Alex, supply chain and transit visibility lead at Marine Traffic. Be, quote, because of Hurricane I... Ian, zero vessel calls have been recorded at the port of Savannah since September 29th. There is no question with new disruption by Ian will increase the existing congestion even more. I have a personal belief that in California right now, the port of Long Beach is backed up too still. Okay. Recently this weekend was the air show and you could see the air show that was happening. 
But when you were watching all those ships out in the ocean who are watching the air show in Huntington, there was actually a couple ships out there. Like we're talking cargo ships that were bringing in goods sitting out there as well. Okay. My personal opinion, I believe there's still supply chain issues with the ships currently right now. I mean, even GM and Ford and now Tesla, they're reporting that they're having issues across the board with getting supplies in. Okay. A lot of companies have been mentioning supply chain issues across the board, and it just seems like the shipping industry is still behind a lot of stuff. Now, apparently Savannah, Georgia might be facing the exact same thing. At least I think it's Savannah, Georgia. They didn't say where, it just said the port of Savannah. And putting two and two together, I'm just assuming it's Savannah, Georgia. But the port Savannah is backed up currently right now. It is. They're reporting it this way. Now, granted, there was a hurricane that went through. What about uh, when the Florida ports reopen? There'll probably be backups in Florida as well. Not only Florida, but maybe parts of Puerto Rico too. If, 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 I believe Hurricane Ian, Ian, not Ian, Ian went through there as well. So ports are going to continue to get backed up. There's going to be more supply chain issues in the making. It's going to get interesting to see how this is all said and done this quarter. Hope Wall Street enjoys the happiness currently right now because I just see a lot of issues coming forward with the supply chain issues still going forward. And we haven't even talked about the big news in today's podcast either, but we'll get to that in a second. On to the next article. Supreme Court takes up internet company immunity in YouTube dispute. The Supreme Court on Monday stepped into the, the political device issue on whether tech companies should have immunity over problematic content posted by users, agreeing to hear a case alleging that YouTube helped aid and abet the killing of an American woman in 2015 Islamic State terrorist attacks in Paris. Granted, this is being reported from CNBC too. The family uh, it was one of 130 people killed in a series of linked attacks carried out by militia Muslim groups, argued that YouTube's active role in recommending videos overcomes the liability shield from uh, for internet companies that Congress imposed in 1996 as part of the Communications Dependency Act. Provision Section 230 of the Act says internet companies are not liable for content posted by users. It has come under heavy scrutiny from the right and left in recent years, with conservatives claiming that the companies are inappropriately censoring content and liberals saying that the social media companies are spreading uh, dangerous right-wing rhetoric. The provisions leaves it to companies to decide whether certain content should be removed and does not require them to be politically neutral. Gonzales was a 23-year-old college student studying in France when she was killed while dining at a restaurant during the wave of attacks, which also targeted the uh, Beta Clan concert hall. Her family is seeking to sue Google, owned YouTube, for alleged allowing ISIS to spread its message. The lawsuit targets YouTube's use of algorithms to suggest videos for users based on content they have previously viewed. YouTube actively role goes beyond the kind of conduct that Congress intended to protect uh, protect with section 230 the family's lawyer, lawyer alleged they say in court papers that the company knowingly permitted isis to post on youtube hundreds of radicalizing videos inciting violence that helped the group recruit supporters some of whom when conducted terrorist attacks youtube video recommendations were key to helping spread isis message the lawyers say the plentiful do not allege that youtube had any direct role in the killing Gonzalez's relatives who filed their lawsuit in 2016 in federal court in Northern California hoped to pursue claims that YouTube violated the federal law called for the Anti-Terrorism Act, which allows people to sue people of entities who, amid and abet terrorist attacks, a federal judge dismissed the lawsuit, but it was revived by San Francisco-based 9th U.S. Circus Court of Appeals 
in a June 2021 decision that also resolved similar cases brought by the families of other terrorist attacks against tech companies. Google's lawyers urged the court not to hear the Gonzalez case, saying that part of that lawsuit will likely fail whether or not Section 230 applies. The Supreme Court has previously declined to take up cases on Section 230, although conservative Justice Clarence Thomas has criticized it, citing the market power and influence of tech giants. And last thing we'll say is, in a separate move, the court also said it heard a a related appeal brought by Twitter on whether the company can be liable under the Anti-Terrorism Act. The same appeals court that handled the Gonzalez case revived claims brought by the relatives of of a Georgian citizen killed within the Islamic uh, Islamist attack in Istanbul in 2017. You know, I often wonder that as well. Okay, if Google can get sued for this, okay, Google's got a lot of issues going on right now. Okay, and this would add more to the chaos that would be happening at Google currently right now between potentially to lay off people with the all hands meetings they keep constantly having, which I believe this quarter Google is going to report numbers. And I believe that day Google's stock is going to drop. This is not financial advice. This is just my observing and thinking right now. I also want to know too, if how Twitter is going to be affected by this too, because last I checked too, Twitter was allowing accounts to happen for organizations to uh, let's just say rally to be able to, get more followers because they're, they're claiming on this article that ISIS was able to do this with YouTube. I think ISIS was able to also do that with Twitter as well. So where does it fall? It's going to be interesting to see because Twitter is going to eventually, if, if this, if YouTube can get sued, that means Twitter is probably next on the board, which is going to make things really interesting for Elon, especially with his current lawsuit with Twitter right now, because there was, there's reports coming out that Elon might have to buy Twitter. Oh, this is going to get so interesting to see how these tech companies handle this going forward. A lot of these tech companies might be in hot water, so I wouldn't be surprised if the likes of Facebook, Twitter, and all these other social media platforms are starting to pay attention to see what happens with with YouTube in this case currently right now. And we'll keep an eye out for it as well. Last thing we need to talk about today, and this will be major, major news this week if this does happen. Okay. This is oil prices, and this is from CNBC. Oil prices could soon return to $100 as OPEC Plus considers historic cut analysis says. An influential alliance of some of the world's most powerful oil producers is reportedly considering their largest output cuts since the start of the coronavirus pandemic this week. A historic move that energy analysis says could push oil prices back toward triple digits. OPEC and non-OPEC producers, a group often referred to as OPEC Plus, will meet in Vienna, Austria on Wednesday to decide on the next phase of production policy. The oil cartel, I love how they just admitted on this saying like it's the oil cartel, okay? We'll get to that in a second. The oil cartel and its allies are considering an output cut of more than a million barrels per day, according to OPEC Plus sources who spoke to Rudders. The OPEC ministers are not going to come to Austria for the first time in two years to do nothing. So there's going to be a cut of some historic kind, Dan Pickering, CIO of Pickering Energy Partners said, referring to the group's first in-person meeting since 2020. However, Pickering said he expects the actual number of barrels coming off the market will likely be around 500,000, which is going to be enough to support the market in the near term. Oil prices rose around 4% on Monday morning. International benchmark Brent crude futures popped 4% to $85.54 per barrel, while the U.S.-Texas immediate futures climbed 4.2% to trade at $82.83 per barrel. 
Stephen Brennock, a senior analysis at PVM Oil Associations in London, said Monday that there's appeared to be some upside potential for oil prices after heavy losses across the board in September. A further uptick in trading activity um, um, coupled with tightening near-term oil fundamentals could well push oil prices back to $100 a barrel. Those of bullish disposition have endured a summer of pain, but a winter of hope and expectations in the horizon, he added. Echoing the call to over return $100 a barrel, analysis at Goldman Sachs see Brent reaching triple digits over the next three months before climbing to 105 over six-month horizon. The U.S. Investment Bank expects WTI to jump $95 by around year-end before hitting $100 over the next six months. I personally believe currently right now, oil, I've, I've been saying this for the last few months, oil is going to be huge investments. And it, that's where a lot of the money is going to end up going. Okay, I personally believe OPEC is going to want to make money. They're going to, in my opinion, they're probably going to cut a lot of oil production per day. And it's going to cause so much chaos across the board. I also believe too that when they do decide to make their cut on oil, that you're going to see a huge, huge problem in the United States with oil currently. Gas is already rising in California right now. Don't know if you fellow podcast listeners who are in California have been paying attention to that, but gas prices have been going up last few days. Okay. I think the market's already preparing for the price increase. They believe that OPEC is going to cut. I believe that as well, because I think OPEC plus is going to want to make as much money as possible. Okay. Remember OPEC plus one of the allies of OPEC plus, I believe is Russia. Okay. And Russia is selling a lot of their oil and these countries like we've talked about like China. And I believe there was one country in the middle East we had talked about too, was buying Russian oil. Okay. OPEC's going to want to make more money. So they're probably, and and they claim them as the oil cartel. And oil prices are probably going to go up. And which means gas prices are going to go up too as well. Last thing that we'll read here that backs up my claim on this, although I think it's going to end up happening, okay, says here, supply side factors. In addition to production cut by OPEC+, Plus, Pickering cited other supply factors that will prop up oil prices for the next four to eight weeks. We're going to see more support from the supply side if sanctions kick in from Europe towards the end of the year. And the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve begins to shut down its deliveries in November, he said, referring to the U.S. government energy stockpile that tapped when energy markets are in turmoil. A few weeks ago, the U.S. Energy Department announced it would sell up to 10 million barrels of oil from the SPR for delivery in November. The EU sanctions on seaboard impacts of Russian crude will kick in in December. The ban also exaggerate worries over an already tight energy market brought on by by strong demand as economies bounce back from the pandemic. OPEC is no longer a particular friend of oil price softness, gasoline prices going down. Despite what people will say, we're going to see some pretty sticky energy inflation as we move forward over the next couple of years. At the start of September, OPEC surprised markets and announced a small oil production cut of 100,000 barrels per day to bolster prices. Yeah, I need to remind some people right now that this stuff did not happen when we were drilling so much oil in our own country. Remember, time to go down trip down memory lane. When President Joe Biden took over the office of President of the United States, one of the very first things he did was he cut off, he ended Keystone Pipeline. Okay, 
Now, a pipeline, one pipeline doesn't make a difference, okay? But when a lot of pipelines are having issues, like for instance, Nord Stream 1, not in use right currently right now, then you have the pipeline in the United States that recently got shut down by Joe Biden. And uh, luckily there is that pipeline that's being, I believe, shipped from Denmark to Poland. So that, that will ease some parts of the world when it comes to oil. But OPEC Plus in the end is going to do what it wants to do. They control the oil markets currently right now. And they want to probably make as much money as possible. My personal opinion, they're going to cut oil. And don't be surprised either if your local politician says oil companies are greedy and they're causing oil prices to go up. No, we're causing oil prices to go up because we can't even build a pipeline within our own country in the United States. We can't even drill as much. Remember, President Joe Biden, in past podcasts, I've mentioned this, President Joe Biden ended, uh, I believe it was land, or not land, he ended leases on lands to drill in Alaska, on the West Coast, on the East Coast, and in the Gulf of Mexico, okay? He ended a lot of those leases. Now, granted, he would probably be saying along the lines of like, they have the land and they should be able to drill whatever they want. They're not drilling though. Well, an oil company is not going to drill if they're not guaranteed to make money, especially if you keep making new rules and regulation on what needs to be done on these oil platforms. And it takes time to build things up. It's not like you can just wake up one day and it's going to be done. No, it takes time. It takes an average two or four years just to build an oil well in the ocean, I believe it is. It takes time to build this. But these, these politicians who make these laws, they're going to keep affecting the stock market. Us consumers are going to feel it at the gas price probably soon. But if you're invested in oil, you're probably going to make a lot of money going forward. This isn't financial advice, but keep an eye out for that. Like I said, my opinion, gas prices, oil prices, they're going to start going up. So with that being said, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. If you had, please like and subscribe to this podcast as every like and subscription that we get on this podcast helps grow this podcast channel. So we'll be able to keep talking about events that are happening on Wall Street in general or that what Wall Street's not willing to talk about. Please also share with friends or family as we like to get the word out as much as possible to get people to know about this channel and what we're talking about here on this channel as well. With that being said, fellow podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.